0: grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we will continue in this series in the book of 1 Corinthians. It's a study in the first letter to Corinth. Today we are in chapter 12 where Paul talks about spiritual gifts. So if everybody gets a good and perfect gift from the Father, what is mine? am I supposed to do with it? I'm glad you asked. Reachingforreallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do today. It's a place to give at Reachingforreallife.org. The message today is called, You Are Gifted. It's in the series called One. Sean starts off in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: Okay, we're in this series. The series is called One. One church, one gospel, one spirit, one mission. We're walking through 1 Corinthians and looking at all the different ways that churches and people and the, just the stuff that we carry with us can cause us to divide. And today we're going to look at kind of a fun topic, and we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and it's like Christmas in November, we're going to talk about gifts. And even something as wonderful as gifts, it turns out the Corinthian church found a way to make those an issue of division. So why don't you turn there? I'm going to begin reading it right at verse 1. This is a chapter, it's packed with all kinds of stuff, but we're going to cover a lot of it, so we'll be good. We're not having to leave much out, all right? Beginning at verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Let me take a moment and pray for us right here. Let's just pause. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the gift of your Spirit. Help us to hear you. Help us to hear not just a message. Help us to hear your voice as you speak to us. Help us to hear what you want to say to us particularly, and then help us to have the wisdom and the courage to follow you in obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. He begins with this this statement, I don't want you to be uninformed. Another translation says ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant, and and i I, got to understand, we come to find out the Corinthian church was, again, in this area, operating in excess and division. They, he's going to talk about gifts, and they use gifts to kind of divide, and so the more public gifts were honored and pushed forward, and the more private gifts or the gifts that were not quite as upfront, were kind of pushed off to the side. And this gift hierarchy kind of developed. And he's saying, "I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to act ignorantly about gifts." And he introduces this conversation. He says, "You, were le- you used to be led astray by idols unless we think, wow, they really were bad. We all have this tendency, because we all have this tendency towards worship. Do you understand? What you give your life to, what you put first in your heart, that's what you worship. I love Romans 12, 1. I beg you, or I beseech you, by the mercies of God, brothers and sisters, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices of God. This is your spiritual service of worship. See, what we put first in our hearts is what we worship. So anything that is on that first place of our heart other than our Heavenly Father becomes an idol. It becomes an object of worship. It can be our work. If our work is first, that can become an idol. If finances, idol. A goal, a hobby, a relationship, anything that is put before him. And when we have something before him on the throne of our heart in first place, it becomes a destructive force. You're like, well, wait a minute, not, not a, a marriage relationship. If it's put before God, you will consume that relationship. What about my kids? If you put them before God, you will consume that relationship. See, when he is first, everything else comes into proper alignment. When he's not, everything else has the potential to be destructive because it becomes an idol. And then he brings up this really important idea. You were led astray by idols, but now you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's going to go into this conversation of talking about the role in the work of the Holy Spirit. I want to give us a little background into what they would have understood and what we should understand when it comes to the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was walking on the earth, that was God's physical presence with us. He had the presence, his spiritual presence in the, in, over the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle, in the temple. And then in Jesus Christ, he manifested physically. But something happened in Acts chapter 2. Jesus had foretold that it was going to happen. He told them to expect it. And I want us to look there. Because God's Spirit was poured out uniquely into the life of the church, into the life of the believers. You remember Acts chapter 2? People are praying, and the Spirit descends on them and says they spoke in other tongues, tongues that they didn't ordinarily speak. God spoke them. And all kinds of people, they were in a public kind of setting, and all kinds of people heard them. Some people were amazed and were really interested. Others mocked them and said, look at these people, a bunch of drunks. And Peter gets up and says, these people aren't drunk. And here's what he says. This is Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 16. He says, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And they, all these Jews, these are a bunch of Jews there celebrating Passover in Jerusalem. They would, have, they would have known this passage. This is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. This was the promise. Verse 17 of Acts chapter 2. In, in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Peter's quoting. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. This promise that God's spirit was going to be poured out in a unique, distinctive way. Uh, in, in the book of Acts chapter 2, Peter is saying, that's what's happening right now. That's what's happening. And he then tells them about Jesus, tells them about how they crucified Jesus, tells them about the salvation available in his death and the cross, and he tells them about the spirit. And then skip down to Acts 2:37 through 39, we read this. Now when they heard this, they heard about Jesus, salvation in the spirit, they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, "Brothers, what shall we do?" And Peter said to them, "Repent." And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You'll receive the gift that was talked about in Joel. You'll receive the gift that was poured out that brought this whole conversation up. You'll receive the Spirit as promise. And look at verse 39 He says, For this promise is for you, for your children, and all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. See, I think sometimes we miss this, the reality and the power of God's spirit in us. And this is one of those things where, where I grew up in a very spirit-filled tradition, and we had excesses, we had things that I think we, we maybe abused or, or overemphasized or other things we um, underemphasized. And because of that, I think a lot of people have avoided this topic. I felt like that was such a big deal, I wrote an entire book on it. It's, that, it's the book I wrote, A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, because I believe this is the essence of our salvation, God's Spirit dwelling in us. And the Corinthians would have understood this. They would have understood, yes, we are filled with the Spirit of God. We are filled with his presence. And it's a game changer in every area of our life. It changes the way we think, the way we see the world, the way we pray, the way we worship. It changes the power with which we act and serve and minister. It changes everything. And yet, remember, they were now taking these gifts of the Spirit and were making them an opportunity for division for pride, quite actually for flesh. So let's skip back to 1 Corinthians 12 and pick up where we left off now with that backdrop of the presence and the work of the Spirit. In verse 7, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, he says then this. He says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Let's pause for a minute. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. There are two foundational truths in this one verse, really important. First, Every believer is given spiritual gifts, every single one. You might be like, well, I don't really have any spiritual gifts or anything like that. I just want to say to you, you're wrong, okay? It's not me saying it. It's the Bible saying it. Everyone, to each one, every single person is given spiritual gifts from the Lord. And you need to understand that. You need to understand God has given you unique spiritual gifts nobody's are exactly alike yours aren't exactly like the person sitting next to you they're not exactly like mine they're not exactly like pastor marks pastor willie whoever you want to whoever you want to compare to first of all if you're comparing to we're going to talk about that in a minute okay that's a problem You uniquely have been gifted by the Spirit with unique spiritual gifts. The second thing is those gifts are for the common good. To each one has been given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. In other words, for the common good of the body and the ministry of the body. So that is a foundational idea. You might want to jot those two ideas down. Very important. Every believer is given spiritual gifts. They are for the common good. Verse 8. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, just a unique wisdom, not the world's wisdom, not their natural wisdom, something unique. And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. Now, we know we all have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We can't be saved without faith. But there's a unique spiritual gift of faith, uniquely, that some people have for the task that God has for them. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another, the working of miracles. There are some people who God begins to stir in his heart, I want to do something miraculous here, and they begin to pray. They begin to participate, and God allows them to be a part of that. It's pretty exciting. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. So we all have different gifts, and the Spirit decides who gets what. So if you are sitting here complaining about your gift, she's got amazing gifts. Her gifts are awesome. Everybody loves her gift. I don't have any gift. My, gift, my gift's terrible. Okay, stop it. Your gifts are given to you by the Spirit. He decides. We all have different gifts the spirit decides because he knows you he knows what your call is he knows what how god wired you and made you your spiritual gifts are perfect for how god wants you to be a part of what he's doing in the kingdom your gifts are like your ticket to the action if you will the spiritual action of connecting and of making making the kingdom of god known in the world around us
0: And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called, You Are Gifted. It's in the series on unity called One, which is available right now on the sermon page at reachingforreallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. In fact, your gift of any amount will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Azar.
1: I think we get so caught up and we find ourselves doing exactly what the Corinthian church did. We start comparing. Well, this, gift has got, this gift's got more pizzazz. My gift doesn't have any pizzazz. Yeah, no pizzazz mentioned here. That's us. That's flesh. Now, the word used for gifts in this passage and others is the word charisma, Greek word. It's also the same word used in Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift, same word, the charisma of God. The plural of that is charismata, when you talk about gifts. It's where we get our word charismatic. People ask me, and that's, this is where we get really weird. People ask, are you, are, is River City a charismatic church? Well, I, you, you have to decide. I think people like us, so, you know, I mean, we got that going for us. Well, I mean, what they're trying to do is trying to pigeonhole us. And what I say is we're a church that passionately loves Jesus. We're filled with the Spirit, and we believe in everything the Scripture has for us. And we want everything that God wants to give. That's us. So if that makes us charismatic to you, great. Knock yourself out. We want to be biblical Christians. We want to be biblical followers of Jesus. What's interesting about this word, you know, the word for grace is charis. So this word is basically from the same root as the word grace. Sometimes these are called the graces of the Spirit. Because they're gifts of grace, we didn't earn it. And because they're gifts of grace, there's there's an idea in there that they are to be given as a gift of grace. I didn't earn the gifts I have. You didn't earn the gifts you have. They're given freely by the Spirit of God, and therefore they should be used freely. That's why each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And that's really what our main point for the message is. If you're taking notes, write this down. Spiritual gifts are not about what you can do, but who you can serve. It's the bottom line. Spiritual gifts are not about what you can do, but they're about who you can serve. We so often get into, we love the idea of this supernatural empowerment, which is really what it is, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But like anything else, if we're not careful in our carnal nature, in the flesh, we can make it about us. And what he's this whole chapter is all about, it's not about you. It's not about you at all. It's not about me either. It's not about what you can do. It's about who you can serve. Now, in his book, Your Spiritual Gifts Can Help Your Church Grow, Peter Wagner says... He defines spiritual gifts like this. He says, a special attribute given by the Holy Spirit to every member of the body of Christ according to God's grace for, uh, for use within the context of the body. Let me read that again. A special attribute given by the Holy Spirit to every member of the body of Christ according to God's grace for use within the context of the body. Now, I want you to notice he used the word context, not the word confines. Very important, not the confines of the body, but the context. And this really matters. See, our gifts are not exclusively to serve the church. They are to serve the church, but not exclusively serve the church. But they are always within the context of Christian community. This is so important. Our gifts are supposed to be kind of operated, we're supposed to operate together in our gifts. The context of Christian community. There's so many good things that come when we operate our gifts and we're part of the family. When we're not, we miss out on a lot of the development of our gifts that's available to us. Spiritual gifts are not about what you can do, but who you can serve. Now let's talk about this and let's make a couple of points. Number one, the Christian life is a life of service. So this is baseline, but I think it needs to be said. The Christian life is a life of service. We think, well, wait a minute. No, no, no. I thought it was a life of salvation. Yes, it is. But we sometimes think, well, then that means it's all about me and what I receive from God and nothing else. I want to say to you, if you are not engaged in serving, you're not receiving everything that God has for you. You are missing out. The Christian life is a life of service. Mark ten forty two through 45, Jesus called them together. He said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, Some of you may still have some of the old wristbands or you know, clothing or whatever that says, the WWJD. What would Jesus do? You want to know what Jesus would do? Jesus would serve. That's what he said. He said, that's why I'm here, to give my life as a ransom, to give my life in service to the body, to mankind, so that they can find life in Christ. And he's saying, you want to be great? You want to be a great follower of mine? Become a servant. I want to suggest not only is it what God has created and designed us for, we can't even grow if we aren't people who understand and walk in this opportunity for service, this opportunity for service. If we, don't be, if we aren't people who have, a, we have this opportunity, we have this direction, and we operate in service, we're people whose spiritual growth will be stunted. See, spiritual health requires that we are people who not only take in, you know, we commune with the Lord. We listen through prayer and the word and through teaching. It's like feeding. That's like eating, and that's a wonderful thing. It's like feasting at the table of God, feasting in his spirit and communing with him, and it is a beautiful, wonderful thing. It's like feeding your spirit. Service is like exercise and activity, and you and I both know what happens if we like eat all the time and never have any exercise or activity. God didn't intend for you to swell like a tick until you explode. The bottom line is service is like exercise and activity, and no service will always lead to spiritual atrophy. I'm telling you, you want to grow, if you feel a little stale in your faith, you're kind of in a place where you're like, I I, I just don't feel like anything new is happening. I challenge you, get involved and serve. It's like it opens up a pipeline or something. And it's not like God's somehow holding back on you like, I'm not giving you any more, you lazy thing. I just think when we start to serve, it's like something opens up. Like all of a sudden, I need new infusion that I didn't need before I served. I need new wisdom, and so I seek it, and the Spirit is there. I get to see God work. I've seen so many people come alive through a missions trip, through serving here in church, through through ministering. I've just seen God do crazy, amazing things through people serving. And all of a sudden, they begin to grow and mature. People whose growth had been hindered all of a sudden begin to mature exponentially because now they're not, it's not just theory. They're not just, just kind of taking it all in, but they're giving some of it out. And it makes, it's almost like it makes room for new insight, new growth. And if we just store it all up, it's like there's no more room. We have limited capacity. We've got to give some away. I think it's a powerful, powerful understanding of service. The Christian life is a life of service. There's all kinds of ministries that you can get involved with. Not exclusively here, but there are lots of ministries here that we can serve. Do you realize right now there is a whole group of people who are ministering to our children? They are not babysitters. They are ministers, and they are discipling the children of this fellowship. I have to tell you something. A lot of people will come and they will compliment Lori or I on our kids. And I, I'm very grateful for that. Ryan and Lauren, you know, they were two of the ones who were leading us in worship this morning. And I am so grateful that they are serving the Lord and they are following him. And that is not something I take lightly. And they will come and they'll say to Lori and I, hey, you guys did a great job. And, and we appreciate that. We appreciate that, that affirmation. But you got to know those kids are a product of this church. You understand that? They're a product of what God did through this ministry. There are children's ministry people who are still here today who took care of our kids and didn't just take care of them, but discipled them as children in our children's ministry. There are youth ministry people as our kids got older who befriended them and and affirmed what we were teaching them in our home. You know, our role was we made sure they were there. So sometimes there, were, if there was a little boot print on their butts, it's because we made them. You know, I don't want to go to church. Too bad. Life's hard. Then you die. Okay. <laughs> We're followers of Jesus. We're parts of the, We're part of the family. That's what we're going to do, and so we, we did. We did play that part, but then so many people invested. And do you know how powerful it is when other people affirm what Mom and Dad are saying? Because Mom and Dad, that's our job, and we do become. We become the Charlie Brown parents. Right, parents. You know what I'm talking about. But when some youth ministry person who's known him for five minutes says it, now it's cool. Oh, man, my youth sponsor said that. I'd said it like 50 times to him. But no, now it's gospel because, you know, 80 in youth ministry said it. Do you know how grateful I am for those people who took time, invested in our kids and affirmed? There are people right now who are doing that. They are not babysitting. They are discipling. And they are investing in the leader. And it's not just our kids. Do you know how many young leaders around River City serving ministry who were raised up through this children's ministry and then this youth ministry? That's key. Those people are frontline disciples, and I'm grateful for them. How about, how about the fact that people come to River City, they have fun, and they feel welcome. Do you know there's a whole team of guest services, people led by Lana Averill and her team? You know, they have what we call, Lana was in the first service, so were some of her people. They have what we call the whoop factor, because they go, whoop. You know what I'm talking about if you've been on that team. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just saying, those people give of their time. They are trained. They have to show up. And because of that, our guests come and they have a great experience. They feel welcomed. There are cart drivers to bring them up. There are people to greet them. They have all the resources they need. And that doesn't just happen. There's people who said, I'll serve. I will give of myself to help what's happened with this body. Worship team. Do you know these people got to show up? They got to be here ready to play at 730 in the morning. They're musicians. They hate that. Musicians don't like early morning. We know this, right? This is not a, a big mystery. But these love Jesus more than they love sleep. And so they show up and they use their gifts, their talents, their abilities, and they serve us, leading us into the Lord's presence and, and pointing us to the Father and making us, allowing us to see his glory and maybe a different with a different facet, like a different facet of a jewel that we've seen before.
0: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio? If you'd like to hear this full message in the series called One, it's available right now on demand at reachingforreallife.org. And we'd also love to hear from you on our contact us page, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road, right behind Rotama Park, right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.